You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to Soupcast, coming to you from Archaeosoup Towers. By popular demand, we're taking selected videos from the Archaeosoup back catalogue and bringing them to you as convenient podcasts. As the name implies, with Archaeosoup, you get a bit of everything thrown into the pot. Archaeology, discussion, humour and debate. You can find out more at archaeosoup.com. So sit back, relax and enjoy our hearty helping of Archaeosoup. Welcome back to Watching Brief for the week of the 3rd of January, 2022. Uh, I am joined, as ever, by my co-host, Mr Andy Brockman, who uh, is hopefully feeling refreshed following a festive season. Uh, how, how, how's everything at House Brockman? Um, we've got the Red Cross on the door, and we're expecting a visit from the Doctor with that really fetching uh, sort of birdie mask. Yes, I we're see. We're a plague. We're, we're a plague house. Oh dear, oh dear. You've you've, you've got the Rona, have you, in the house? R- R- Rona is visiting. Yes, uh, she, she, uh, Rona is currently visiting our our, our our daughter and her boyfriend. Oh dear. Um, and uh, fortunately, no, in all seriousness, fortunately they're they're, they're not too bad at the moment, and um, we wish everyone well and all and, and and under the circumstances happy new year to you and our viewer <laughs> indeed yes happy as can be i suppose um yeah happy new year folks it's good to be back we didn't manage a christmas new year live stream uh, we may well do something towards the end of january as like a a, a bit of fun um but life we, we could um, do it for, we, we could do it for burns night or chinese new year oh there you go there you go yeah some neeps and tatties, that should be good. Absolutely. A bit of haggis as well. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, what's what's been happening this week? What are we going to discuss? I don't think there's anything really major in the news this week, is there? Absolutely. Of- no, there's absolutely no major uh, no. news of, 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 from a heritage point of view whatsoever. It's been no. so, so quiet. No, it, no. Of course, that is. Uh, we're, we're actually kidding you, dear viewer, because there's actually a pretty major story which we're going to be discovering, discussing. <laughs> oh, would moment. that be the major story where our Prime Minister has... Um, has got a headline in today's Daily Mail, Vandals Can't Change Our History. <laughs> uh, might be. Might be. It might be. It might be the, um, the same one where the uh, Attorney General, who's the government minister who's basically in charge of the law, um, is probably about to get a lesson in the law from the... Um, from from the judiciary if she carries on the way she's going but anyway uh, we'll, we'll come to that later okay okay well uh, let us begin at the beginning shall we once upon a time folks there was a statue in bristol and what happened to that statue andy the the statue uh, as our regular viewer will probably know um was to a man called sir edward colston uh, sir edward colston was one of the great and good of bristol in the 17th into the 18th century mm. Um, he came from a local family of prominent merchants and um, was involved in an organisation called the Society of Merchant Venturers, um, which still exists uh, and uh, has been an influence on, on the city of Bristol for a long, long time now. It's a sort of um, 
an organisation which has a great deal of um, influence or has had a great deal of influence on the way the city has been run mm. um, and, and its public face. Mm-hmm. Um, Colston is most famous now because he was um, not just associated with the Society of Merchant Ventures, but also something called the Royal Africa Company. Um, and eventually rising to be a very senior officer of the Royal African Company. Now, the Royal African Company basically traded in enslaved African men, women and children. Mm. Um, It transported enslaved people from Africa to primarily British possessions in the Caribbean uh, Mm. to work on the sugar plantations. And uh, and, um, it's uh, estimated that... um, Hundreds of thousands of people in the court, uh, were, uh, were were stolen from their homes and then transported during the time that Colston was actually involved with the company. Mm. Um, so pe- people were their product. People were their product, mm. um, and Colston made a lot of money at it, mm. uh, out of it, uh, as did Bristol as a city. Um, now, Colston didn't have any heirs. Mm. And he had a vast fortune. Uh, and so a lot, he, he made the decision, as a lot of the great and the good did at that time, that he would put money into good works. Um, good, good works, at least as far as white people were concerned back in Bristol. And he endowed uh, a school, which still exists. Um, and over the years after, uh, after his death in um, in 1721, um, his name became attached to many other aspects of city life in Bristol. He mm. was commemorated in a concert hall, names of roads, names of other schools. There was a stained glass window in Bristol Cathedral, uh, other monuments. So he, he was a significant figure in the history of Bristol, but an increasingly controversial one. Mm. Now, in 1895, there was a move to erect a statue to commemorate his life uh, and, and his, um, his, his place as a, uh, a, a benefactor, a, in, 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 as a benefactor to, 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 to Bristolians. Mm. Um, at a place um, uh, close to what's called the Floating Harbour, it, it's the, the docks in Bristol where in Colston's lifetime, the ships involved in the what's often called the Slave Trade Triangle um, would have docked where you know enslaved African people who were being brought to England would have been disembarked. Mm. Um, Colston was there on a plinth overlooking the docks um, in, in, in his you know full dress clothes, mm-hmm. bewigged and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, and this was put up in, in as I say, in the, in the mid eighteen nineties. Uh, interestingly. Uh, and perhaps as a measure of how Colston was already a controversial character, um, it was meant to have been put up by public subscription, but in fact, the public subscription campaign failed. It's like a, like a, cause a week GoFundMe campaign to put the statue up in 1895. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually failed, and it, it, it only went up because of the individual contributions of you know, senior members of Bristol Society and the Society of Merchant Ventures. So it, 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 was, it, it can't be said that it was a popular statue in the first place. No. So it was people of his class celebrating actually their own class, really, because the guy was long dead. That's a, that's, that's a reasonable summary. Yeah. That's a reasonable summary. Mm. Now, now, if we fast forward to the um, late 
20th, early 21st century, mm -hmm. um, Bristol has become a massively uh, multicultural city. Um, it's a very famous part of a city called St Paul's, which became famous for, uh, for being the area where the, uh, a, a, a lot of black people moved to. Uh, it had a very vibrant cafe and music culture. I, I, I lived in Bristol in the early 80s and lived in St Paul's and um, it, it, it was you know it, it was then as it is now it was a very creative city uh, lots of artistic and media people um, Ardman Animations I believe Ardman Animations uh, grew out of Bristol mm -hmm. um, it, it has a you know, had a thriving uh, theatre scene a thriving band scene um, a, 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 and it was a very modern very vibrant city mm. and with that came examinations and some quite hard examinations of Bristol's history mm. um, and the statue of Colston became a, a sort of touchstone really as to how Bristol was changing. Mm. Notably though that it was this statue in a city full of statues this is something that the historian David Olasoga pointed out a couple of days ago there was a reason for this statue becoming that touchstone. This wasn't like a city-wide, you know, uh, ire against against public statuary, as it were. That's right. Uh, it, it was particularly Colston's links, direct links to being, you know, direct responsibility mm. in the enslavement of tens if not hundreds of thousands of African people. Mm. Um, uh, and, and the idea that somebody who had committed what are now seen effectively as crime, well, no, genuinely, what are now seen as crimes. Well, human trafficking. Human trafficking. Somebody, mm. Exactly. Someone who made a vast fortune out of human trafficking mm. um, should be in a position of, you know, as you say, um, pride mm. in, the city, in, in the city for people to walk past and to look up, literally look up to, because it was high up on a plinth. Mm. Mm. Um, so, cutting to the chase, there have been campaigns over various uh, uh, periods to have the statue taken down. May the 25th, 2020, as people may well remember, George Floyd, who's a, 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 a black American, was murdered by a police officer who knelt on his neck for eight minutes, 46 seconds and suffocated. Mm. Now, understandably, that court set off reverberations and revulsion around the world um, and kicked off the so-called Black Lives Matter movement. Um, well, now, so, well cer certain, certainly gave it more energy, shall we say. It, I think it, it was already it, going it, before then. Well, yeah, it became an international movement, and it, it, including in Bristol. Hmm. Now, Bristolians began to plan a Black Lives Matter protest for Sunday, June 7th. Mm -hmm. um, and that included uh, promoting a petition to remove the statue of Colston. Uh, now, the, the petition had actually been set up several years earlier on the 38 Degrees website, mm -hmm. but it hadn't gained much traction, but suddenly it was gaining a lot of traction. Um, the name of Colston was being mentioned in, in the Bristol media. Um, some places associated with um, Colston, like schools, had already changed their name to disassociate themselves from Colston. Mm. Um, and the, the Colston Hall, which is one of the main concert halls in Bristol, had already announced it was going to be changing its name. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. It had just undergone a 50 million pound uh, rebuild to bring it up uh, up to state-of-the-art standards. Mm. Um, And uh, it was recognised that being named after a a leading people trafficker and slave trader wasn't really a good look. Mm. So things were already starting to happen, but the statue was still there and there was no sign um, that um, the the city authorities and and, and, um, the elected mayor were um, going to prioritise taking it down. Mm-hmm. Um, on Sunday, June the 7th, there was a gathering of around ten to 15,000 people uh, who took part in the demonstration. And it appears that in the immediate period before the demonstration, some people had decided that they were going to pull down the statue. Now, this is something that was already again going on in the States with some of these so-called Confederate statues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, statues commemorating the, uh, the slave-owning class in the American Civil War. Mm. But again, often um, often put up during Jim Crow, so again, their historiosity is up for discussion and debate in terms of actually how, how directly connected they are, in fact, to the Civil War, as opposed to reinforcing, a little bit like Colston and his class of merchants, a status of a group of people as opposed to actually memorialising a historical event or historical person. Anyway, sorry, continue. But that's right. So basically, um, the uh, du- during the demonstration, um, a group of those people, quite a large group of those people, put ropes around the neck of the statue. Mm-hmm. It was pulled down onto the ground. It was kicked. It was daubed with paint. Um, and it was dragged to... Bristol Harbour and dumped in Bristol Harbour. Mm. Um, the police chose not to intervene in this. Yes. Uh, it was an operational decision to prov- avoid provoking the crowd, mm. it would appear. Um, anyway, um, Avon and Somerset Police, which is the police force that was responsible, announced afterwards that they were immediately beginning an investigation into possible criminal damage. Now, because it was a listed structure, there was an aggravating factor in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the property of Bristol City Council, who hold it in, uh, in trust for the people of Bristol. Mm-hmm. So they were the aggrieved party, if you like, in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, it immediately becomes, again, an international issue. The, the images, uh, and I'm, I'm sure our, our, our viewers will be familiar with the images of the statue being pulled through the streets and then particularly dumped into the harbour. And then actually very swiftly afterwards, the day afterwards, um, lifted out again by Bristol Council. Mm-hmm. Um, and the statue was list, lifted out and put into storage. Um, after a police investigation and a referral to the Crown Prosecution Service, which is the way these things are done, um, and allegedly, um, let's say, interventions by Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, the decision was made to prosecute four people mm. um, who had taken part in that, that action. Um, now, it, it is very clear from the number of people that were involved as opposed to the number of people who were actually finally charged that, in a sense, it was seen as a, a prosecution because they had to, pour encourager les autres. 
there was there was a debate given that, that argued that you know what would a prosecution be seen as defending effectively the reputation of a slave trader a people trafficker um and was it appropriate it was decided for whatever reason to, to undertake the prosecution and just before christmas four people were char- uh, were charged and brought before the um crown court in bristol having elected to go to a crown court jury trial mm-hmm. not a magistrate's trial which would probably have seen them convicted and fined yeah. straight away they chose to fight the case in front of a jury now it's, it's worthwhile just 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 saying it's not this isn't just about defending uh the ownership of a, of a statue of a slave trader it, it, it's fair it is fair to say and it is true to say that they did destroy a listed monument that was owned by the city council uh if uh, you know and i made the point a little earlier that this was a, this is a city full of statues um yeah. but in this instance they they directed their 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 aggression against this particular statue for reasons that they deemed to be reasonable but unless the prosecution i think is 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 legitimate in so much as it was actually an act of vandalism against the protected monument <laughs> Owned for the public yeah. by the city council, so it's it, it, yeah, it's not just that it's not. Yeah, there's more going on than just whether or not it's right to defend the personage oh, uh, of of Colton. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. In in objective terms, what happened was a heritage crime. Yes, and the four people and the, and the four people concerned that, that, that they become known as the Colston Four. Mm. Um, it's Milo Ponsford. Sage Willoughby, Jake Skuse, and Rian Graham, who's become something of a spokesperson since the trial ended a few days ago. Mm. Um, the four of them were charged with criminal damage mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and faced trial, as I say, in, in, in Bristol Crown Court. Now, on January the 5th, two days ago, um, the jury was sent out to consider the verdict in the trial, um, which had uh, gone on over several days over the, over the Christmas period. Um, witnesses. <laughs> what, uh, what a Christmas present for them all. <laughs> like, well, absolutely. How wonderful. Um, yeah. uh, 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 but I, I mean, I, you know, there are many accounts of the trial in the media, and there are accounts of evidence uh, by people like David Olasuga, mm-hmm. uh, who's Bristolian himself, and mm-hmm. gave evidence for the defence uh, on the um, on the role of uh, Colston and slave trade and, and, and so on. Um, but basically, uh, the jury after only about two and a half, three hours deliberation um, on a majority. So it means at least 10 of them were agreeing on the verdict. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a unanimous verdict. Mm-hmm. Um, at least 10 of them agreed that Ponsford, Willoughby, Skuse and Graham were not guilty, which means they left the court without a stain on their character and uh, they can't be tried for this again. Yeah. Um, much as certain parts of the media and the commentariat um, would quite like it to happen. And I think we're going to come on to that in a moment. Mm, yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's in, this is, it's an interesting one, this, because this morning, for example, I've been having a conversation with someone. I say a conversation. It was a, uh, a heated discussion uh, with someone um, about this, uh, simply on the basis of the notion of the destruction of history. And I hinted at this when it came to our Prime Minister um, writing a he- massive headline in the Daily Mail in shouty words, you know, they cannot change our history. Uh, but it, in this instance, we're talking about the toppling of a single statue in a city, as I say, full of statues, 
Um, uh, one statue on a day two years ago, which has not led to the destruction of our society. It hasn't become a slippery slope as 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 uh, as was being described to me. Um, and and yet, oddly enough, this is this is being described as, as something which is attempting to change or sanitize history. This notion that it's trying to deny history, this toppling of a single statue for very particular contextual reasons. And the thing that fascinates me, archaeologically speaking, as I say, this is a heritage crime and there are reasons to, to prosecute this without a doubt. And also, I'm not necessarily saying that I would have done it myself. I don't think I would actually necessarily have wanted to do it like that myself. But it's again, it all depends on context and how long you've been living there and the, communi the communal feelings towards the statue. But archaeologically speaking, as objectively as I can, um, there are a few things that come to mind, if, if you don't mind me rambling just for a little, a little bit longer. And, no, go, no, I've, I've um, rambled for quite a bit already, so <laughs> ramble away. <laughs> so, so thing number one, um, archaeologically speaking, a statue that's still standing is almost certainly not yet at the end of its life. Uh, statues are the focus of, uh, of public and political and symbolic action all the time. So sometimes they are deliberately toppled. Other times, through wear and tear and, and, and uh, erosion, statues fall. Uh, almost every... In fact, I'd be willing to bet 99% of Roman statues that we have in museums were found on their sides. So st statues that are standing up are not at the end of their life, almost certainly. Second, in the case of Colston, and I am reading from some notes here, the sanitization of history, it occurs to me, um, was actually in erecting this statue decades after the man had died, in fact, more than 150 years after he had died, um, uh, in, a, in the context of an empire where slavery had been apparently abolished in the early 1800s, uh, th that presented him as a figure of unalloyed admiration. Uh, as it were, an inert symbol of a of a class of merchant without any other context. This this was an empire without without um, without most forms of slavery, as many people are quick to quick to point out in these conversations. We abolished slavery, and yet in this instance, we have a statue being put up without saying this guy, by the way, made most of his money or a significant chunk of his money. I don't know the exact figures um, from the trafficking of enslaved humans. So that there's a problem there again, as objectively as I can as I can muster, uh, and finally, this notion of trying to sanitize history—that's sanitization. This notion of just presenting, oh, here's just the merchant. He's a good merchant for the city, city of Bristol. Uh, on the charge of people who toppled him, trying to destroy history, not a single person there is wanting us to ignore Colston, ignore, as it were as they might say, his crimes against humanity, um, or indeed to ignore the route by which so much wealth flowed into the city of Bristol. Um, if, if anything, it's drawing attention to that fact. It's actually adding to the historical record and the narrative, as opposed to allowing people just to meander past Colston and think, what a nice old man who, who brought, you know, brought lovely things to this city. Uh, that's not destroying or changing history. That's 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 ensuring that the history is not forgotten. And um, and one final thing, because again, often in these conversations, it's the it's a very similar bunch of people. Uh, for example, recently we we came head to head with with such people over the notion of Magna Carta, uh, providing defence against uh, COVID measures and closing of businesses. 
Um, in this instance, we have a, 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 a victory in court, or we certainly have a, 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 um, a, a conclusion to a, a trial uh, with a jury of peers whose rights um, are actually set down in the, in the version of Magna Carta that made it through to the final draft. So this, so this is actually one of the fundamental rights in this country to be to be to be tried by a jury of peers. Uh, they elected to do that, and they've been found not guilty. So, if you love history, then you want more of it. Surely, if you love this country, then you love our wonderful jury-led um, trial system and and experts uh, uh judiciary judi judiciary um and if you uh, if you're interested in uh in, in in bristol's history and heritage and its ongoing story then um hopefully you're going to be engaging in a conversation about what happens next uh, and also where maybe we put this statue so that so that we can reflect on it and to think about it and talk about it as opposed to just wanting to put it back where it was and never talk about this problem again <laughs> um, I can't think of a of a reasonable objective stance other than that, because I'm not Bristolian, I'm not Black African, but I can see that the the the, the argument for just ignoring it is deeply flawed. Uh, I'll hand hand back over to you. Okay, look. Um... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> My lord. <laughs> hand, hand over the hottest of pot potatoes. Yeah, exactly. um, Case. No, look. Closed. Look. No, 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 go on. Look, in, the, in, in, in the end, um, what we're dealing with here and the reactions we're dealing with here, um, and again, there's a, there is so much material now out there that's come out in the last couple of days in terms, on, on both sides of the, the argument, on all sides of the argument. Mm. Um, the, we are dealing with what has been set up um, as a battle in the in the so-called culture war. Yeah. Um, and that he that is being used that is being thrown up as chaff um, to obscure the legal realities of what's happened. Yes. Of what that jury did. Because, um, because, sorry, and because it should be clear, this isn't inevitably going to lead down a slippery slope where things that are offensive or things that are uncomfortable are destroyed. I often bring up in these conversations, yeah. I haven't yet brought I, it up, I, I, but I often, I often I, bring up yeah. the case of, for example, Liverpool, where they very carefully maintain symbols of the yeah. slave trade in that city. So we don't forget. Yeah. Uh, it's just that in this instance, this was, this was a very particular figure, and it was, as I say, historically inert. It was not holding him in the proper context. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, what, what, what I was going to say was, um, yeah. developing what you, what you have just pointed out, mm. um, that, uh, you know, as one of the defence barristers told the press afterwards, uh, uh, cases are decided on their evidence. This is, uh, you know, the, the the jury decided on the evidence that was put in front of them yes. that the four weren't guilty of mm. criminal damage as they've been charged. Mm. Um, and there were very specific chains of evidence that were put in front of them about Bristol, about Bristol's relationship with the slave trade, mm. about Colston himself, about the Royal African Company, and so on and so on and so on. Mm. You know, so it, it, it you know, contrary to what a lot of 
um, right-wing and uh, pro-culture war uh, commentators have been saying. And I'll just quote you, um, Michael Fabricans, Conservative MP. I've tabled a written question to the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, asking whether she will amend the law on criminal damage following the acquittal of the quotes Colston for on a legal loophole, as this could rise to, give rise to other statues being damaged. This obsession with statues... Mm. Statues are being used as a as a, as, as a proxy mm. for basically ideas of history, which uh, I think are fantastic, but you might not agree with. Mm. Mm. Um, Fabricants is getting something fundamentally wrong there, as are many of the MPs who weighed in on this. Even some um, who are lawyers, Robert Jenrick, who recently left the cabinet. Um, former community secretary um, we undermine the rule of law which underpins our democracy if we accept vandalism and criminal damage are acceptable forms of political protest they aren't regardless of the intentions you know, this did not set a legal precedent what happened was that jury using rights as you say set out in magna carta but which underpin the entire british legal system mm -hmm. um, that jury acted entirely within its rights to interpret the evidence that it had been shown in a way which meant that it chose to acquit the four accused. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, that has happened. There is nothing quite rightly that the government can do about it, however much people might huff and puff. Mm. Um, mm. That, that is a done deal. Now, the thing, the thing that's interesting here, and this is where I'm going to be slightly devil's advocate, it's just to return back to this, mm. to the simple fact that actually... By definition, vandalism occurred. Destruction of public yes. property occurred. Yes. Uh, so, so it happened. But, yes. but the a jury of peers who actually, again, going back to a conversation I was having this morning, who actually do represent local people by definition, because yeah. because they, they were trying to make the case that these four people didn't actually represent locals, uh, that they were mm. simply a loud minority. This jury. In the context of the of of the city and its his, and its history, its actual history, and uh, the uh, the the action in and around the statue on that day, decided to deem them not guilty. Now, I, I don't I don't know to what extent um, uh, you've you know this, so I'm but I'm just going to ask: Do we know uh, whether it was essentially an, a notion of mitigating factors? Is that is that kind of what we're getting at here? Right, okay. Now, again, there's another fundamental thing about jury trials mm. in that juries never give their reasons for their verdicts and it is actually illegal to try and find out or to, uh, to talk about the deliberations of the jury. Right, okay. Um, it, that is a, you know, it is absolutely, it is seen as absolutely fundamental to the purity and effectiveness of the jury system yeah. that jurists have, jur jurors have that protection. Okay. Right. So, so, but, but as a matter of public record, we know what they were presented with, and we know the conclusion they came to. Yeah. Precisely. We we can speculate what they what what the discussion was, and and in fact, um, anyone who wants to know more about this and understand the legal background to this, there is a very, uh, it's quite a long read, but it's a very lucidly written um, read uh, by the. Uh, blogger called The Secret Barrister. Some mm -hmm. people out there may have read uh, one of The Secret Barrister's books. Um, mm -hmm. There are two now talking about the legal system. Um, it, 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 it's 
some of the most up-to-date and sharp and thoughtful legal commentary there is. Mm -hmm. And um, there, there is this blog post about specifically about the Colston trial, which we'll link to below the line. Um, but um, it goes into all the, all, all the potential legal arguments and how they might have been seen by the jury, but basically ending up bleeding. We, we don't know. No, no. Um, what, so, but what it's absolutely clear mm -hmm. is that um, it, two things. One, it's not a precedent in legal terms. And secondly, it's not an affront to the rule of law. In fact, it, it shows that the rule of law is actually working. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so someone couldn't use this case as a defence for toppling, say, Winston Churchill. It'd have to be judged on its merits and so on. Absolutely. So, yeah. ab 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 absolutely. As the defence barrister said, every case is decided on the, on, on the evidence yeah. within that case. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the... I suppose, um, finally, a question that, that I brought to you or that I pointed out to you just before we started recording. Um, mm. Should we consider the judge in this case to be a, a leftist stooge? Oh, for goodness sake. Um, Answer the question, Andy. <laughs> Some people might consider... <laughs> look, just, just read the secret barrister's blog. No, look, yeah. look yeah, the, the, this... Um, this was the British legal establishment, British legal system at work. Yeah. Um, the, the point is that people who, and I'm, I'm using the words of the secret barrister piece here, mm -hmm. um, pe people who disagreed with the, with the verdict of the jury um, seem to be eliding the rule of law, in quote marks, for, in quote marks, an outcome I agree with. In other words, had they been convicted, it would have been a fantastic example of the rule of law punishing the, punishing the guilty. They threw the book at them, yeah. Mm. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, the judge, if you read the judge's summing up, the judge um, was absolutely clear that the jury should make their decision based on the law as it, and the evidence as it had been presented to them, exactly yeah. what they're supposed to do. There was no, um, there was no hint that uh, there, there was any kind of sympathy for the, you know, it, it, it's nonsensical to suggest mm. that if you, re if you read what was actually said, mm -hmm. it's nonsensical to make suggestions like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I've seen people falling back on, um commentary about you know woke police uh mm. not intervening woke woke judges overseeing a, 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 a you know a system that's an affront to the rule of law it's nonsense no the system worked as it as it is supposed to one of the questions is whether the home secretary intervened inappropriately right at the beginning of the process to ensure that there were prosecutions um, that is something that will be worked out over the next weeks and months as people find out more about what actually went on behind the scenes. Um, the, 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 the media have been somewhat um, uh, hobbled in discussing those sorts of issues um, while the trial's in preparation because of contempt laws. Yeah. And now that the trial's concluded, things like that can be actually discussed in more detail. We found out just this morning, for example, that GB News... Uh, and also, actually, to be fair, a um, local uh, news website um, almost faced uh, contempt of court charges for their coverage of the yeah. trial. Interesting. Um, so, you know, and, and more like that will come in, saying particularly the involvement of, of Whitehall and particularly the Home Secretary Pree Patel. Um, mm -hmm. 
uh, she, she is alleged to have spoken to the Chief Constable of Avon and Somerset um, and, um, shall we say, suggested that it would be, uh, the government would be very happy if prosecutions took place and in fact that they had to take place. Good boy, good boy. Yeah, okay, interesting, interesting. Ah, well, what, what a way to start the year, Andy. Happy, <laughs> Happy New Year indeed, 2022. Uh, it's it's a it's a bright new shiny uncontroversial uh, watching brief for everyone to watch at home and to listen to obviously uh, where where you can get hold of this in audio form. Um, I suppose just very finally we are at the end of our time. Uh, is there any any final thing that you would say to this in terms of uh, you know any final comments that, that that maybe haven't occurred to you in the context of our conversation? No, I mean, we did discuss this at the time. Yeah, uh, we'll link to that as well. The, the, yeah, absolutely. The, the, our original watching brief discussion about the Colston statue. Yeah. Um, as somebody who's, say, who's lived in Bristol, who likes Bristol very much as a city, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I am, um, um, but also as a you know historian, archaeologist, someone who cares about the past, um, I, I think um, this is probably the right the right ending for this particular story. Mm. Um, the statue is still available. It is it's back in storage at the moment, but it has been on display. I'm doubt, I've, I've no doubt it will go on display again. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, and quite amusingly, um, Rian Graham, the one of the Colston Four, uh, has done an op-ed piece for The Guardian, where she writes that, um, although they couldn't mention it at the time, they were told when they were preparing their defence that in purely monetary terms, the Colston statue is now worth more now that it's been toppled and it's set in storage daubed with paint than it was when it sat on top of that plinth. As a, it was a late 19th century civic statue. It's more valuable now than it was previously. It, it, uh, I mean, that, 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 that's kind of by the by, though, isn't it, really, in terms of this actual conversation? It is, but I think it's important to stress though, that you know, the statue was not destroyed. No. It was it was forcibly moved from where it was, hmm. um, and then picked out the picked out of the docks by the council and taken to where it is now in the council in the council museum store. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but you know nothing has been destroyed, nothing has been suppressed. Hmm. If anything, you can, can still talk it, about it. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't and it? And if anything, if anything can be it can be talked about more openly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, sp- I suppose uh, the final thing I would say is just um, hopefully, uh, hopefully people have watched all of this video before they've commented below. Um, because, for example, as I say, I'm not remotely trying to say that that, that technically, a, technically uh, at the moment of it occurring, that the people couldn't have known that laws were probably being broken. If you see what I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to overturn the the the, the jury there. But what I'm saying is, you know, there, there are reasons to there, there's a reason arguably why it went to trial. Um, and 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 look, okay, let, but, let, let's let's put it into a timeline. Yeah. The statue existed. Mm-hmm. The statue was pulled down. Mm-hmm. There was a prima facie case for well, the statue, criminal the sta- damage. The statue existed. The statue was listed. The statue was pulled down. Yes, yeah. the statue was pulled down. There was a prima facie case for criminal damage, mm-hmm. of which a representative, well, a, a sample of the people who were involved in that um, process were put on trial. Mm-hmm. Um, they opted to go to a jury trial. The evidence was put before the jury. The judge told the jury to make their judgment on 
the law and on the evidence they present being presented with and the jury as is absolutely their right even though the defendants had admitted their participation not their guilt their participation mm-hmm. the jury chose to acquit that is the system working yeah and i think there's one other piece of historical perspective i would add just to finish and that is um anybody who has studied the history of monumentalization of commemoration in the public sphere will be familiar with a concept uh, concept that in latin is called damnatio memoriae uh, it was done in egypt it was done in rome where, where that particular phrase comes from mm-hmm. it was that if somebody um for whatever reason offended the state the law whatever they could be literally written out their monuments would be destroyed or repurposed. Yeah. Uh, the cartouches of, uh, of pharaohs like Akhenaten are, are literally just chiselled out on their monuments. Yeah, names removed, names um, removed, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, it, and in fact, one of the most famous uh, symbols of Roman Britain, the uh, head of the Emperor Claudius, mm. um, uh, from uh, uh, the, that was pulled out of a, um, a river near Colchester, was probably dis- uh, from a statue that was destroyed by Boudicca's rebels. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is not new. No, it's not, no. This is, you know, no. if it's if it, not something that started with Black, Black Lives Matter. No, no. And as I say, archaeologically, if anything, it is inevitable that statues are acted upon and the statues yeah. end up on their side, if not... Exactly. They're, exactly. They're very public statements and touchstones, which mm. makes them uniquely available for people to make very physical comments on. And that's what happened here. Mm. And the jury decided, as is entirely proper... The, the the four people who were charged did nothing wrong. No, and and and, and the second and final thing I was going to say was just it's very simple. Um, historians and archaeologists are not are not in the business of of erasing history. No. Um, no. The more voices there are, the wider the historical na- narrative becomes. Yes, and if anything, I suppose what 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 I would encourage people to consider is this is the simple fact that. The notion of of a true history is one that is very difficult to stack up. If one person is telling you what history is, or if one group of people are telling you what history is, then there's probably more to the story. And that that is what an honest historian and archaeologist is interested in. And that's, in this instance, primarily what I'm interested in, uh, as opposed to, to, to having preconceived ideas as to what is valid what I'm interested in is what, yeah. what's happened and what does it tell us about the context of what happened and why it happened and who it happened to and so on. And, and in many ways, as you say, the value has been added to uh, in terms of monetary value, but, you know, I mean, NFTs are a thing at the moment, so who knows what, what that actually, any of that actually means. But, 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 but as a story, as a future historical story, this is interesting. It's really interesting. And hopefully, uh, you know, in the future, people will be able to look at this as a historical event. Um, and it's and it's history. Anyway, um, you probably need to go and go and chillax and um, and uh, and prepare for your oncoming uh, date with with Corona, possibly uh, being in the plague city such as you are. Um, <laughs> and um, to be fair, I've I've had a, 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 a terrible cold over the weekend as well, so it's, it's just as well that we should bring it to, to a close. Um, do keep an eye out, guys, for uh, for a potential live stream uh, later this month. We do want to do that quiz and have a bit of fun, so we'll we'll, we'll give that a go. 
And um, any any word on what next week next week's story might be, Andy, or stories? Um, no, in a word. Um, that, 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 no, um, uh, there there are uh, as well as the regular archaeology news, and um, we are uh, we're going to be doing a media uh, pick as well in the near future. Yeah, um, yep. There's been a lot of archaeology TV on recently, mm-hmm. uh, so we're going we're going to be talking about that. Um, no doubt uh, there will be a piece of extreme muppetry will will occur at some point. Um, but um, no, uh, th- th- there are um, there are pipeline stories coming up. There are um, things in the fact, pipeline. Sto- I see what you did there. Uh, I was about to do the same thing. That's No, there's a number of um, what I think could be quite significant stories coming up. So yeah. um, we'll uh, watch, watch watch this space. And, and in the meantime, um, the Colston story is fascinating. Um, read the secret barristers blog because mm. that is probably the best exposition of the legal issues mm. um, um but read 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 around it and, and, and please join the debate and comment below the line excellent yeah grand take care guys bye-bye this podcast episode has been produced by the archaeology podcast network in collaboration with archaeosoup productions Find out more podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.